this is the Pie Boy Podcast. Hey, welcome back. It's Casey, aka Sparky, from the Pie Boy Podcast. So I'm sitting here thinking about the dope game stories still. And today I'm going to tell a few more stories from that time period. I'm not specifically about any of the drug mule muling and different things, but I will reflect on a few points that I didn't talk about um, because I try to keep these episodes to a certain amount of time based on my format, but also based on um, the software I use. It cuts off after 30 minutes, and then you got to start over. But I'm looking at this picture of myself, uh, what I wore. This is the cover art on my Instagram. You should check it out um, that I put up for this episode, uh, last episode 32, about the dope game, my mom selling drugs. And I see myself in this outfit, the sweater vest with, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a clip-on tie. And a button-up shirt, long sleeve, jeans, and then some Nike basketball shoes. I think they're like Zoom Airs or something. I don't even remember. I know they are Nikes, and I wore them for basketball in like second, third grade. I think this is third grade. If I remember that part of the building is when I is where my third grade class was. It's right outside. Picture day. It's around the first part of the year but the special thing about this outfit was that i was going to a quinceanera that night so it must have been a friday and i remember this because i saw my mom recently and she came over and whenever i see her she tells a lot of stories she's part of the reason why i tell a lot of stories and she's one of the best storytellers in my family There's a lot of them to compete with. But she was out of nowhere. I was telling her about the podcast a little bit and telling her how I tell my stories. And she always encouraged me to do stuff like this, write it and tell it and whatnot. And out of nowhere, I didn't tell her I was working on the dope game stuff and Dave stuff. And I'd kind of talked to her about it a few years ago got some info and that helped me write the original part of that uh, story from the last episode. And also she brought up some new information that I, I didn't remember, but she started talking about this. She saw, she said she remembered what I wore to one of those quinceaneras, like the most memorable one. And I think I'd talk about it a few times, the one where the abuela that fell down the really important abuela everybody freaked out and how he couldn't go outside because of like gang violence and that kind of stuff and but just going i remember feeling so like fancy and like dressed up to go and be really special to be invited to this um it was crazy i didn't understand so much that was going on but at the same time it didn't matter and i had so much fun all the different kinds of people latino people latin people mexican people um latinx all the different kinds of people that 
fit into that beautiful world. And it made me think of this movie, um, Blood In and Blood Out, and some of the characters and different people in that. And even though I wasn't understanding what they were saying or really what they were doing or who they were, I knew they were like part of this family. And it was cool seeing them all together and enjoying each other. And I had a really good time dancing with all the girls and seeing all the people dressed up. And like, it made me think of Cinderella, the girl, like her birthday, the birthday girl and her boyfriend or husband or whoever he was, he was at the time or going to be, um, had like a Prince Charming outfit on like vintagey looking stuff, lot, maybe jewels. I don't know, but so, so nice, so fancy, so flashy, so blingy, so gangster, so good. And yeah, those just images just sit in my head that I wish they were clear but it's been a long time. It's been over 20 years, um, almost 30 years. Crazy. Yeah, so one of the stories that my mom brought up is, so she kind of clarified a few things about why she went to rehab initially and how one that she went to in Baker City didn't work out, and she told us kind of the whole story, but I'm not going to tell. That's her story, and I would just butcher it, but that's just the gist. But anyway, she went to a different rehab, and that's I talk about this later, and I actually went to visit her, but I didn't know that Dave had paid for it, and he would come visit, and like they talked a lot. Like He would call on the phone when it was like phone time and then visiting hours and family time and all that, like I said in the story, but... One time, uh, didn't hear from him for a little while, and my mom got really mad. She got really defensive and upset about things like that. And he said, because he said he was going to call a certain time, and more it was it was more about just being worried about this guy because of what they were involved in, and not calling at a certain time could mean something bad. And my mom just didn't want it deal with those feelings and things and he had sent soon after like i think she said 99 roses and this is in the 90s i don't know how much that would cost but it seems like a lot and she was like i don't know but i know it seemed like a lot but she he didn't tell her what happened sent the flowers my mom's still mad she's so stubborn upset she threw the flowers out like in the took it to the dumpster and people were watching and they're horrified she was so mad and she threw him in and then eventually finally talks to him and the story is that so he had this brother named nacho i'm not kidding about that nacho and we used to hang out with nacho a lot and his wife I think they had kids around our age as well. And they're actually the people I talk about later in the story from today. And he had been involved in a gang shooting and got shot in the head. And 
I kind of had remembered that, but not really. But it just like brought back so many feelings as my mom's telling me that. And he actually didn't die. He got super lucky, super fortunate. And it it didn't cause, it didn't kill him, number one, but it didn't cause as much damage as it could have. And it kind of slowed him up a little bit and some other things. But that's why Dave didn't call because that happened and they're trying to figure out what happened and take care of the brother and all this stuff. And when my mom found out about that, she felt so bad, like regretted that, but it was just like classic how she had, like, doesn't, she didn't know that if she wouldn't have done that if she knew, but just to overreact like that and do some wacky, crazy stuff to tell a story about later. It's just like the story epitome of that era and time it's a lot of over-the-top bad behavior in my mom's words but um was there another one no that's kind of where i I wanted to wrap up with that but so today is a collection of stories three stories that take place during this time period and all about um just some lessons in like fear and being scared being scared of the unknown and being scared of people's reactions and being scared of what people were doing their actions and scared of people taking care of you and having fear of when people are, are leaving you and fear of when people are coming back to get you and um, just a lot of trauma and tension, and it just uh, proves my point um, that I can't be reliable and truthful without sharing stories like this and say, sharing graceful stories and happy stories, but also truthful stories that are heavy and deep and dark and dramatic because that's real. That's what people know about. That's what people want to connect with somebody about. And that's why part of the reason why I do this. So let's jump into it. Uh, This collection of stories in chapter 31 is called More Reflections on the Dope Game Era. And the first story I titled Learning to Fly, just like Tom Petty's song. I grew up too fast. I used to have to wake my mom up to take us to school starting in second grade. I remember it taking me a few tries to get her to wake up. She would be up all night doing whatever. She was not really a morning person back then, especially if she had been doing drugs or drug deals and other horseshitting around. At night, she came alive, though. I remember her being extremely grumpy when I would wake her up in the morning. She startled awake most times and would get all flustered. I was so afraid to awaken the dragon and would tiptoe in and try to be quiet. The sneakiest, the sneakiness would usually get, just scare her and make it worse. I would try her once and then go wake my sister, who was a hard sleeper too. She was a bear in the morning and she would try to swing on me sometimes. I would seriously be like a parent to her, saying, get up, Kayla. We have to get 
eat some breakfast, and get ready for school. Once we were both up and downstairs, I would try mom again if she hadn't got up already, and then go back into the kitchen and pour some cereal for Kayla and I. I felt so much older than I was because I was waking Kayla up and making food and getting her shit ready for school. Then I would go get dressed really fast and force my sister to get ready. Sometimes mom would wake up at the last second and barely get us to school on time, either speeding or taking shortcuts to save time while giving us grumpy commentary on the dipshit drivers in the way. Sometimes she would blame me for not waking her up in time. I was not ballsy enough back then to tell her the truth that I tried two or three times to wake her up on time. The crazy part is that I couldn't read well, but I could tell time and knew when we needed to be places. The concept of time was huge for me early on. What could really has a sense of clock time in third grade? I don't know, but I did. Once I could tell time, I would drive my family crazy and myself crazy worrying about time. The concept of time made my head ache. I learned how to read a watch and the time from school and this weird handheld computer my grandma Norma got me. It had time-related games. It had visual learning support that clicked for me. Knowing how to tell time was a blessing and a curse. I would get all fired up about being late. It was my first experience with anxiety. I would wake myself, I'd work myself into getting a stomach ache. Once I got to school, I felt so much better. Sometimes mom would get up with enough time to brush Kayla's hair and help her get dressed. If not, she went to school with a rat's nest, um, me picking out her outfit and making breakfast, probably Eggo waffles or cereal. If, if mom had time to brush Kayla's hair, it was a nightmare. And I would go hide in the other room because mom and Kayla would scream bloody murder. Kayla would get big knots in her hair, which hurt to comb out. Mom would then be yelling and telling her to quiet down. Mom was really the one that could tame the beast, but it was a mess because she was not always on top of it. I feel like my mom would be upset because she didn't feel good, was not a morning person, and or the fact that I was doing adult stuff, like taking care of me and my sister when she would should be doing it. Her regret for letting that happen manifested in anger, and it scared me. It was invisible abuse and literal neglect. It made me strong in who I am, even at the cost of my childhood. It made me self-reliant. It hurt, but I'm thankful for it. The root of this problem started when I was a little boy, and I woke up in the middle of the night because I had a night terror. I went to my mom and tried to wake her up. I was shaking from fear, and she, she wouldn't wake up. I didn't know what to do. It made me think she was dead. I was small enough to not know how to check for breathing or a pulse. I got an idea to call help, so I tried to call 911, but didn't know how to use the rotary phone. More time went by, and I was making noise now, and still she didn't wake up. She was passed out so hard, maybe even pretending. She, it seemed like hours. I got up and went to sleep on the floor by her bed. Panicking so hard wore me out, and I fell asleep watching my mom sleep. 
She realized I was there when she almost stepped on me in the morning and said, and I said, no, mommy. She was sad I had slept there. I didn't tell her what I had done or thought about her not waking up. I told her I had a bad dream. I didn't have the words to express why I felt sad, though. I didn't think it mattered. I thought worrying was part of the gig. It made me a nervous wreck. It's the first time I felt anxiety. Conferences. Mom was too busy hanging with Dave's family, A.K. Nacho, who I was talking about, while we were and his wife, while we were swimming at a hotel some of them were staying at. I kept reminding her what time it was, and she was not paying attention, then turned it around on me, saying we didn't really need to go anyway and wanted to know why I wanted to go so bad. She thought I hated school. She blamed my sister and I for wanting to stay and swim, so I told her I had to go or I would get in trouble. I should have said that to begin with because that was the truth. The punishment was to miss recess get scolded in front of the class, and lose homeroom points. She got really pissed, and we rushed to get there in the end. It was so foggy, and my mom couldn't see well driving at night, and that that made her even more mad. By the time we got to Wilson Elementary, the doors were locked, and we obviously missed conferences. I started crying, yelling at my mom, And while she yelled back, I remember her being mad and then trying to confront me later. She was so up and down. The next day, Mrs. B laid into me and made me feel really bad for not coming. I tried to explain that we did come and we were late, but the doors were locked and she called me a liar in front of the whole class. She went on a tirade about lying. If she only knew the truth. All right, this story is called Mac and Cheese. I got so hungry one day waiting on my mom to make me something to eat while she left my sister and I alone that I decided to make my own mac and cheese. I couldn't read the box directions, but I knew my memory. I knew from my memory what I had to do. I honestly didn't know shit and was in over my head. I had closely watched my mom make mac and cheese before and my grandma and my grandpa and my mom and my dad the part i did know was how to boil the water or use the stove i was also scared to start the stove and my mom find out so i empty all the contents into a pot then i poured water into it and started to stir it up like i had seen i didn't add butter or milk but I did use hot water to fill the pot. I stirred and stirred it, but nothing good was happening. It was so lumpy, and I couldn't figure out why it, was so, it wasn't so. It was creamy and yummy like Mom and everybody else had made it. I tried to eat a few bites, but quickly spit it out. It was putrid. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely disgusting. I gave up and threw away the evidence of my epic fail. 
I then found some cheap lunch meat, you know, the two for a dollar, two for a dollar stuff at the bottom of the shelf in the lunch meat section that came in the tiny plastic pouches, bologna, turkey, ham, probably all the same thing, probably things I didn't know what they actually were, but I ate a pack of that whole pack with some Ritz and crackers I found in the cupboard with some Tillamook cheddar cheese straight from the cheese factory. It was good to go and mom never found out. So that story is kind of sad and I had told my wife about it. How I tried to make mac and cheese without knowing how and we didn't have a microwave and I probably could have used the stove and they had taught me but it was on, I think my grandma had like a flat surface stove, not a, with like a, more of like a heating element compared to like a burner with gas. I think hers was electric. Uh, maybe it was like a coil. I don't remember. It's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure the one that I was trying to do was gas. And I was really scared of that. And I don't think it, was very good at self lighting. I think he had to do it with a match. Maybe it was that old. Um, even though my mom was selling drugs, like it didn't mean, and I talked about Dave buying us stuff. Like we didn't have fancy appliances by any means. I don't think we had a dishwasher. Um, definitely didn't have our microwave. We just had whatever stove came with the house. I'm pretty sure the fridge too. Maybe it was the fridge we brought from the other house. Who knows? I don't remember it being fancy. But I was more of a snacky kid back then because I didn't know how to use the stove and fire and all that stuff. Eventually I did, and I'm thankful I did. A lot of kids and people don't learn those things. And it's really a, a good and a good skill to have on the bill to make food for yourself and even for other people. Um, uh, yeah, but mac and cheese story, weird. Um, conferences, ah, I just remember that being feeling so terrible. And we are out on the on the beach. I think we were in Garibaldi staying at we got to stay at this hotel. I think, I think we ended up going back and staying there. And then we had to drive back to school the next day and we were kind of late. And. Oh man. The teacher made me feel so terrible. This teacher was, was my fourth grade teacher. I'm pretty sure, yeah, fourth grade, fourth and fifth grade teachers were pretty rough. And yeah, she lectured me in front of the class. I think I was the only one that missed conferences. And I don't remember why it was so required. Um, I feel like my parents were at the school all the time anyway. They knew what was going on. I told them the truth. I didn't try to lie about it. Things weren't going very well behavior-wise and learning-wise. I needed extra help. And kids were tormenting me. And I was tormenting other kids in some way, try to get back at them because I was very revengeful, and but mostly just fearful. 
so much fear. I felt so much fear about talking to my mom about like I had to go and I was scared to tell her the truth about what happened or what would happen, the consequences of being late or not going. I couldn't believe the doors are locked also. And I couldn't believe when I got there and I, it, it wasn't that like, I don't know. Maybe I didn't know what time it was or clocks are wrong or my watch was wrong. I think I even had a watch. I think it was a Power Ranger watch or a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle watch. And that's dumb if it didn't work, but I'm pretty sure I was looking at it. And we were like a half hour late or something because open house conferences or whatever it was. I remember saying it went from this time to this time. And we would have got there at the very tail end. So maybe around 7.30 or 8 o'clock. So we had gone out to swim and screw around on the coast with that family for like right after school. And then we were going to go. But my mom didn't really want to go because knew it was going to be rough. I didn't either. But I didn't want to get in trouble and humiliated either. So I was between a rock and a hard place. The other story about like waking up my mom and I don't know if I already told that story, if I will tell that story by itself. I just felt right to go with this. It felt like it was tied to these things of being scared. Why was I scared that my mom was dying? I don't know. Because she didn't wake up. So in your little kid brain, that just makes sense. And this is bef- this was before, like in the story I'm talking about, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. In that story, it happened when, I, I don't know, was maybe in kindergarten or even below that, probably like preschool or something, four or five. And my mom didn't wake up I'm trying to use the rotary phone. People might not know what that is. You have to turn the dial manually for each number past the certain point, and it would click back like. It was super weird and hard. I learned it and then never had to use it again. Weird. But I had. We watched, I think. There was a show with William Shatner called like Rescue 911 or 911 Calls or something. And it was all these like reenactments and all this stuff. And that was just like flashing in my head thinking something was wrong with my mom. It was terrible. It made me feel so sad and scared. And I never told her about that. Maybe she hears this be the first time she ever hears that. And that's probably sad, but. She knows kind of a scared little kid. She knew I had bad dreams and night terrors. I mentioned that a lot in stories, maybe subtly and then don't explain it. But I was just scared of, I had separation, anxiety of being left places and left with crazy people and not trusting and just wanting to be home. Why couldn't we stay with grandma? But if we stay with grandma, then mom would have to tell her what she was doing eventually and we were caught in the middle no matter what. So, like, it was easier just to lie for a while. Maybe she wouldn't find out for a while, and then she wouldn't blow up. I don't know, and that's what happened. But, oh, yeah, just having to take care of my sister and wake myself up and get ready for school, make sure I had all my stuff so I wouldn't get in trouble and not having backup. My mom, I'm not saying she was like this all the time. It was just, like, in and out of periods like that. Because other times she'd be great, and other times she wouldn't. 
just in and out, in and out of feeling good, feeling bad, feeling good, feeling bad. Casey, you can do it. You can do it. Casey, here, let me do it. Let me do it. Like, it was just up and down. I had to figure out and be, like, the man of the house really fast. My sister was pretty good with me, but she had a little poop sometimes. And she did swing on me. That's not made up. I'm not just trying to put her down. (laughs) She did that. Um, but yeah, that's more reflections on the dough game era. So much fear and going into my cover art. So I'll find another picture from that time, but really it's the cover art this week is more focused on the song, the song choice. So the theme of fear. So it made me think of Kendrick Lamar in this time period makes me think of his album, damn, and him talking about. I don't think my experience is anywhere close to the black experience um, and some of the experience of, of art makers and influencers and creators of the black world. And, but it's has meaning and is deep. Like some of the things that they, people like Kendrick Lamar talk about. And um, I picked it because there's a part in the beginning where he's, it's like his mom's voice and say he's going to whoop his little ass about stuff. And that, like, I hear my mom, I hear that time area, the dope, the dope game era in my uh, brain and in my heart and in my gut. And um, I hear his words very deep. And I know that his family sold drugs or at some point and in some way to help his family stay afloat. And I really um, connect with that and want to raise, raise people up that overcame things like that to do good in the world and find a way through that experience. So with that being said, happy hunting until next time.